that sound doesn't turn you on, then you're on the wrong fucking channel. And if this visual doesn't turn you on, get a new click kink. Off. <laughs> Love that fresh ship of a ship of a new white claw. <laughs> Hi guys and welcome. Welcome. Namaste to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast. Podcast where we talk about <clears throat> a murder, mystery, mishaps, and that fresh sip of that sweet, sweet alcohol. Uh, my name is Kristen. My name is Sarah. <laughs> well, well, how are you today? <laughs> well, how's the weather today? Um... <laughs> It's pouring White Claw in my mouth, and I'm having a fabulous time. Hell yeah. It's pouring Art Car in my mouth. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. I only have one unopened and the one I'm drinking left of my favorite Texas beer that I can only get in Texas. Oh, shit. They don't sell that elsewhere? Hell no. So the only Texas IP... Well, not the only... But the only, like, well-known Texas IPA that I can usually find in my area, not all of New Mexico, is Hopadillo, which is a still great I mean, beer, it's not bad, but, but you can only drink so shocking. much of it before you get tired of Hopadillo. And, <laughs> yeah, they don't sell St. Arnold in New Mexico. Hmm. Well, St. Arnold either sent us some free shit or get on that. But yeah, so after Sarah's story, I I, uh, I meant to do something a little brighter, if you will, a little lighthearted, easy, <laughs> easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. And, oh. you know, I it has to be like my FBI agent that's stalking me. I think he saw <laughs> Me stare at an email from my local library a little too long, <laughs> and he just like happened to drop this guy into my lap because um, I got an email from my local library about them mem- or memorializing, remembering the Holocaust. And when I happened upon my next Google search, this guy just so happened to come up. And unfortunately, he's the serial killer that, you know, no one ever taught me about during the Holocaust. So I just thought I would enlighten us with a little bit. It's like an extended drunk mystery in history, only it's about a fucking uh, serial killer and it's fucking terrible. Um, Yeah, sorry, sorry to uh, darken your night. I'm not going to make it any easier for you, but... Well, uh, you know, we haven't covered a serial killer in, um... He definitely fits them. No, we have, for sure. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, I can think of a few. Okay, I'm like, it was so long ago, I don't remember. (laughs) Who can remember? It's like we're 50-some-odd cases in. Come on. Uh, But today, I'm going to be talking about a French serial killer named Marcel Petiot. Petiot. Such a hot name. Fucking sucks. We just got some listeners from France. 
Bonjour. 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 No. Uh, yeah. He's wanting to say buenevo. Like what? There's one of the one of these guys' last names, or I think it's like the town that he moves into. It's such like a Mexican word that I want to say, but it's I'm like we're in France, so. Don't excuse us. Uh, hopefully, uh, the people that do listen that are in France don't click off uh, as soon as we start talking about y'all. But love you. Thanks for the sh- listen. So I am going to save my ass here. His name is Marcel. Without a doubt, it's Marcel. But I, I know when I started writing kind of like off memory some of the facts, uh, I don't write Marcel. So if by some chance later on in the story, I like say Marcelio. I say, <laughs> I say Maurice. <laughs> yeah. Like I was looking through it. I was like, Kristen, that's not his name. Um, I am so sorry. His, his name is Marcel. Um, but also he's a fucking serial killer. So like the least I can do is not properly remember his name. So like who, what does it fucking matter at the end of the day? But it, for what it's worth his name is Marcel if you're like listening 30 minutes later and you're hearing something else that's just like me being me hello so our Marcel our main character he was born on January 17th of 1897 in Auxerre Yonne France so (laughs) We're in France. I'm going to be saying a lot of words wrong. And um, this is also a wee back, way back in the day. So, (laughs) Well, and also his birthday is coming up. Not that any of us give a fuck, but dude, not that any of us should care, but he has the same birthday as Betty White. (gasps) What a disgrace to her. That's actually kind of, yeah. Hmm. I didn't click until just right now, but oh, that's fucked. Yeah, I'm but sorry, they, Betty. no, yeah, because they are not the same. Not the same. Two different sides of the astrological sign, bro. Because uh, Marcel was described as an surprise, well, not, I guess not surprisingly, seeing as what he accomplishes, but he's a described as a very intelligent child so at the age of five it was said that he could read at a 10 year old level so impressive um but that didn't stop him from being quote unquote weird because he liked to torture small animals to death of course And if that wasn't enough for your little myriad triangle bullshit, there was also some bedwetting that he liked to do. Oh. Along with some sleepwalking and convulsions that w- were said to have happened early on in his childhood. You say myriad triangle? I'm sorry. Is Oh, it's the McDonald's. It's McDonald's. <laughs> and hello, my name's Kristen. I'm a fucking idiot. It was really hard for me to get in any information on how his parents were towards him, if it was anything of like an abusive household or if he had a rough childhood. But what I could get was that, you know, he, it 
it seems more like it was his mental health that was the issue, not so much his his household or his living situation. Right. I do believe his dad was a postman, and it seemed like his mom was a stay-at-home mom. So it's hard to say if there was anything abusive or negative going on in the house. But do you from know if what he had siblings? Mm, you know, I don't. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He has a brother. I don't know if he has other siblings, but I do know that he has a brother. Nice. Mm. That's why I asked, just because sometimes, you know, a lot of times family can come into play, but it does not always. So that's just why I asked, just to get a, you know, even siblings, like if if his brother was older and he was like a bully towards them, who knows? But that's not always the case. Sometimes people are born purely with tendencies that are not that yeah, are wi- within the triangle of mcdonald most of are the one thing that i read in a college classroom setting it was the one time i took a psychology class high <laughs> uh but there was a gene that was proven i guess like among adoptive families or like adoptive children or something of that sort where they were able to find a specific gene that was in people that tend to have, like, be violent or, like, serial killers or something like that. I don't have the exact quote, so don't come for me or anything like that. But what they were able to find were that if you had a set of twins, let's say, that had this one specific gene, if they were raised in a normal household, they would not commit these crimes, whereas if they were born in any type of household with anything uh, resembling trauma, they would go on to commit these violent acts. So it's, that's why when we see in criminal history, a person committing a random act of violence and they have no history of trauma in their past, we're really surprised because it's so rare. A lot of the serial killers, a lot of the people that we see, have a violent history, whether it be an alcoholic father, their mothers in either drug addiction or sex work or something like that. Yeah, it's like a violence. very it could be anything. Yeah. yeah, it's it's typically or like abusive, either emotionally or physically. Like something is going on to where that child is sent or uh, facing some sort of trauma. Well, I'm glad and I it triggers a violent reaction because. Yeah, I'd be fucking I would, killing people. I would be <laughs> screwed. <laughs> I, I don't like, and like I said, I like heard this one time in a class, so I don't know the exact science behind it, but the, like scientists were at some point able to pinpoint a certain gene within people that regardless if they had the gene or not, it was the household that they were raised in yeah. that determined whether they acted out violently or not. So it kind of was with the whole nature versus nurture argument. Yeah, of, I was just about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and um, I know this is like fiction, but they talk about the serial killer gene in Riverdale. Mm. So I but know I'm, it's, like, it's a literal thing that scientists debate about to this day. Yeah. So it's yeah. not it's not far off from fiction, you know. Right. It's very much reality. Yeah. But it's, as far as Marcel's life, I could not read anything about the parents being abusive. Now, 
we do have to take into account that this is the fucking late 1800s, early 1900s. Parenting styles were very different back then. And it's and like very much, or... very much like probably trauma inducing. We don't know, but uh, we just know it was different. But either way, Marcel, even though it was described that he was this super smart child, he would be prone to uh, some very, you know, like violent, questionable, not not normal, quote unquote, acts, I guess you would say. Um, So at the age of 17, he is charged with damage of public property and theft after he decides to rob a post box. Now, the charges would have stuck with him and he would have been tried. But during a psychiatric evaluation, the psychiatrist would decide that he was actually extremely mentally unfit to stand trial And the charges needed to be dropped because he did this because he was not of his right mind. And this may not have been very shocking to those around him because if you grew up around Marcel, uh, you would have known that when he was just 11, he brought a gun, his father's gun, to class and opened fire. All willy-nilly. Before school shootings were a thing, he made it a thing. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> like, open fire as in, like, one probably shot, right? Because those guns back then, you had to, like, yeah, pour the powder like in. Yeah, it took, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably before they could do anything, they just had to, you know, they were able to stop him. But, <laughs> like, <tackle>. yeah. <laughs> if that wasn't bad enough, you know, um, he would try his hand at sex work you know he would proposition himself to I read mostly female but in one article I did read male and it wouldn't surprise me if they said female because you know homophobic mm-hmm. but he pro- he propositioned some student for sex as well as you know sharing some obscene photos of himself around the classroom so some <laughs> like I'm sorry, some, what year? Some soft core like, child you have pornography. To, like, take the photo and stand still for 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, it's probably like where you had to get someone else to stand there with the little. <laughs> it's not even like literally. Well, by the time he ends up dying, my grandma like was just born. So, I mean, like, it's not that far off but it's far off enough for me to make fun of it and say uh you're fucking we're making fun of this dude okay hands down (laughs) you're old you don't matter not saying that like ancient forms of self-expression aren't ancient (laughs) like i just acquired a a painting that my grandma painted a self-nude portrait of herself for my grandpa because back then they didn't have like selfies and nude photos to just pass around which is amazing but i'm just picturing this fucking kid trying to pass around nudes of himself like in these old timey Mm. portraits (laughs) (laughs) whatever it's what betty white would have done too don't judge (laughs) if you couldn't tell he is expelled from many schools because of this (laughs) you know behavior and but somehow you would manage to finish i mean like enough schools would take him in to where he could get his credentials and by the time he was 18 so 
It seems like it was on time. I don't know what graduation ages were back in the day. Probably like it was 13, but he was <laughs> able to graduate in 1915 and, you know, go off, bro. So in January of 1916, Marcel was drafted in the French army during World War One. Hey. Here's where our little historical shit comes in. Yay. <laughs> um, he experienced the tragedies of war when just six months after being drafted, he would be gassed and injured by grenade fragments. Um, obviously, he was experiencing problems before this. Like, definitely <laughs> want to highlight that he had some serious mental problems before this went down. But it seems army-wise that after him getting injured, he really started to, like, let the mask drop of, like, I'm not trying to impress anyone. I, uh, Like, full-blown. I'm just going to be me. Crazy. <laughs> and so him being me, he would steal a lot of stuff. Uh, it was described in many, many, many articles that Marcel was a kleptomaniac aka you have the impulse to like steal anything and everything like, that is around you anything anything so marcel did have a brother because anytime marcel went to go visit said brother the brother <laughs> would check his pockets marcel's pockets before he left the house because he knew he's probably going to steal something yeah. if i don't check during his stint in the army he would be sent to many what would be described as like rest homes and it was basically done because he would get caught by the army either stealing something or doing something that the army didn't really want him to do i couldn't get much detail on it other than he would get sent to these homes for long periods of time though the army seemed to have had it when in 1917 Marcus found him, or sorry, I'm already starting. <laughs> Marcel found himself in jail when he was caught stealing army blankets. And so I guess, oh, no. like, it's been a full year of them dealing with this bullshit. They're like, bro, you have stolen the last item. We're not going to deal with this anymore. You need to stop. But when they went to try him, the psychiatrist found Marcel. Not guilty by reason of insanity. Bonkers. Like, <laughs> this guy is stealing blankets to make himself a fort for the Smurfs that visit him at night. He does not. He's not comprende with the world, okay? <laughs> he needs. Just, if you're going to steal anything from the army, like. Am- ammunition, food, <laughs> literally. Shoes. <laughs> anything. Besides blankets could, <laughs> whatever, maybe they were really good blankets, but he that's wants, very doubtful back then. He wants to break the Guinness World Book of Records for biggest blanket fort, okay? He <laughs> is on a fucking mission, and he is not going to stop until he finishes his fucking blanket fort. Of course, even though he is found legally insane by the psychiatrist and the fucking army, maybe take him seriously. I don't know. But the army's like, no, I won't take you seriously because you're just a psychiatrist. And, you know, maybe psychiatrists in the army are treated differently. So the army is like, cool, you're found not guilty. Doesn't matter by what reason. 
we're going to let you back on the front. So they let Marcel back on the front. And he, you know, I don't really know how long he lasts, but I know that he does not last because he has what is described as a mental breakdown. Yeah. Like when you say let him back out on the front, as in like they let him back into active duty in the. Yeah. Like fighting. So they they give a psychiatric, a, a diagnosed mental ill man a gun and let him yeah. fight a war okay mm-hmm. yeah it's very yeah. yeah beautiful it's great and you see that it's beautiful because what does he do with that freedom he fucking shoots himself in the foot oh no i got <laughs> shot in war i can't fight anymore he like Jesus. i i couldn't get like a detailed version version of what happens but i know that he kind of like freaks out and just shoots himself in the foot i guess like as and he has to be hospitalized after. So it it was a very obvious cry for help. But <laughs> I I don't have a... The only... Okay, so the only reference I have to mental health in Francais, in France, is an episode of Dynasty where Falcon's <laughs> brother gets stuck in a mental institution, even though he's not mentally insane in, like, fucking season three or four or something like that. So it's like foreshadowing maybe but is it the best um depiction no i don't think so so it's i i i don't know how it is but with these events that go on uh france is just as fucked as the u.s and uh yeah we have no representation of mental health advocates in france during this time obviously during any time that is not Pre or like post fucking 2020. I mean, even nowadays, yeah, people care more, but does it improve conditions? No. No, no, no. Um, So, you know, once Marcel has this mental breakdown and shoots himself in the foot, they're like, the army goes, oh, that's cause for a discharge for abnormal behavior. <laughs> in March of 1919, they go ahead and discharge him after he is diagnosed with amnesia, sleepwalking, depression, and suicidal tendencies by a psychiatrist um, that was treating him in the Renee's location after he had had his quote unquote breakdown. There, I mean, cut the quotes out. It was a fucking breakdown. So <laughs> after his breakdown, <laughs> the psychiatrist said, hey, all this is wrong with you. And they were like, yeah. And on top of that, the psychiatrist goes, hey, by the way, all of this is wrong with you. I highly, highly recommend that you go into an institution and, you know, like institutionalize yourself. You need some serious help. And so Marcel goes, cool story, bro. I'm going to go apply to a medical school. I'm going to go get accepted and I'm going to go work at an insane asylum instead of uh, submitting myself as a patient into one. Uh, and we let it happen. The public lets it happen. <laughs> so, yeah, he yeah, he gets accepted into the school, the Flock de, de Medicine de Paris. And... I do not know how schooling systems worked back in the day. Um, barely know how they work now, but it, it concerns me 
that it only took him eight months to complete this degree. I did read in a lot of places that he was in an advanced program, but even then, that is a little too advanced for me. Um, but yeah, in eight months, he would graduate in 1921 from the Faculty of Medicine in Paris. If that is like a super rough translation, and I don't fucking speak France, French. <laughs> um, but yeah, he graduates, and you know, it just really gives me faith that I one day too will graduate grad school because if mm-hmm. he can do it, I sure as fuck can. Hell yeah, go. That us. should give that should give you ambition, if anything. And after obtaining this degree, he would set up shop in a town called, uh, this is where my Mexican wants to come out and call it Villanueva, but it's Villanueva, Surion. And he would set up his medical practice and surprisingly become a really popular figure in the town. (laughs) And like, this is where... This part of the story makes me think that, okay, so all of the popular people in this world are fucking mentally ill because everywhere this guy goes, he thrives, foreshadowing. So he gets into this town of Villanueva, or however you pronounce it, and he becomes super popular. He gets a lot of medical clientele. I don't necessarily know when he gets married, uh, but I do know that this location is where he claims his first victim. Because you see, maybe it's like the popularity of him coming into town and being the new hotshot. He quickly gains a lover through one of his, that is one of his patient's daughters. So her name is... Louise de la Vouve. I'm probably saying that wrong, but she went missing in 1926, and a lot of people suspect that Marcel was the guy behind it. Uh. The only evidence to go around Marcel potentially being the person that killed her was one when they first started dating, Louise's house mysteriously went ablaze. That was weird. Everyone ended up surviving. But shortly after, neighbors would report Marcel leaving Louise's house with a large trunk and putting it into his automobile. Okay. The trunk that was said to go into Marcel's automobile was said to be similar to one that was actually found in the river a few weeks after that night that neighbors saw Marcel And this trunk that was pulled out of this river had the decomposing remains of a young woman that was never identified. Okay. I'm going to say it's probably because it was like the mid-1900s and like DNA obviously like not a thing. I don't even think like... Internet's not a thing. Not we don't know anything. Close. We don't yeah, know. Like, literally, what is DNA? Barely just learned what hand washing was. Come on. <laughs> so, like, DNA, not a thing. But it's pretty fucking obvious who it would have been. And I'm like, okay, at this point, like, come on. Let's let someone look into that. But I would just say, like, the, the timing. 
if you just so happen to be a murderer, any type of murderer during World War One or World War Two, like probably you could easily get away with it because, you know, the government has bigger shit to worry about than you going and like killing its citizens. I mean, come on. The enemy is already killing hundreds of thousands of them. So we, we really don't care about what's going on on our soil. So it's just kind of like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's super fucked up to think about, but unfortunately, and you see it as a common trend, like throughout this case, the war just kind of, supersedes anything that Marcel is doing for the most part. Completely. Yeah, so they they kind of they have bigger things to deal with than well, no this offense, disappearance of this woman. Like not giving any kind of excuse or idea for anyone trying to be a serial killer, but <laughs> seems like a good idea to do it at a time where a lot of people are dying anyways. So Anyways. if you're, aka <laughs> if you're a serial killer, uh, now is the perfect time. Miss Rona is doing. Half of it <laughs> Make you. it look like they couldn't breathe. Make sure that you go for <laughs> the unvaccinated people, and you will be good. <laughs> and if this little event doesn't make Marcel seem like a really fucking shitty doctor, because uh, newsflash, he was. His response to this pharmacist would be, would. Oh, sorry. The, his response to this pharmacist would solidify that because um, we have an event where this pharmacist calls Marcel because Marcel is pretty much the town slash village doctor at this point. And he calls Marcel with concerns over this child's prescription that he just got and stating, hey, this prescription that you gave me, uh. I... I don't know the name of the medication, but this medication given in this dose is nearly fatal to the child if I were to give it to them. So I'm a little concerned as to why you're giving me such a highly toxic prescription for a child when it can nearly kill them. And Marcel's response to this was, what difference does it make to you anyways? Isn't it better to do away with this kid who's not doing anything in the world but pestering its mother? <gasps> okay. Yes, my child is pestering me, but no. Then <laughs> they are the literal future. <laughs> I, I don't want you to kill it. <laughs> just quiet them for a few hours, okay? <laughs> or just like chill them out a little bit. <laughs> just put their head in the oven for an hour. It does the same thing, okay? I'm just kidding. I very much love children and want them to stay on this earth. But it has just... never put her son's head in an oven or anything of that sort ever. Don't come for me. I never did it. <laughs> but regardless of what Marcel said to this pharmacist, shortly after the disappearance of his lover, Louise, Marcel would start his campaign that he won to become mayor of Villeneuve, however you say it in French. Now, there was a rumor, because I don't think that he won this fairly, to be fair. I don't think that the town was that crazy, but there was a rumor that he did hire someone to cause a commotion during the debate. Now, I read that in one article, and I was like, 
what kind of commotion could he cause that, like, ruined whatever his opponent was saying? Like, I can't imagine it would be that big. Uh, And no, I read (laughs) another article. Uh, Dude went all out. So he hired some people to not only cut off the lights in the auditorium while his opponent was speaking, but to set a shit ton of fires around the village at the time his opponent was set to speak. So basically, when his opponent went to give his rebuttal during this town debate, they shut it down because the town was becoming inflamed lit lit, as a fucking tit and uh you know their priorities were elsewhere other than listening to marcel's opponent so when it came voting time no one remembered what marcel's opponent said all they remembered was marcel so he ended up winning in a landslide (laughs) (laughs) fucking so every mayor in the history of mayors is insane (laughs) that's what you're telling me (laughs) of course thankfully um i mean it 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 lasted a lot longer than i thought so he becomes mayor i believe in like 1926 i want to say but it wouldn't last because he his kleptomania would pop back up (laughs) he couldn't help himself and he just had to steal money, of course. Uh-huh. So, and I will say right now, because I didn't write it down, he was also accused of embezzling a lot of money through medical patients. Like he would do the thing that some insurance or some doctors are doing right now. Well, they will bill the patient, bill the insurance. And so mm. they get a double payout. So. Just all around. Like, he invented that shit. (laughs) Not a good guy. Um, But in 1930, he would be accused of embezzling money from the city. They would put him on, like, a four-month suspension or something like that. Kind of, like, give him a little slap on the wrist. And mysteriously, the patient or the person that had accused him of embezzling money mysteriously vanished around that time as well. Oh. Um, And then... He would officially be removed as mayor after his suspension in 1931, though that did not stop him from shooting his shot at becoming the local counselor, which, again, he won and became local counselor, though, again, it did not last long because he would later be convicted of stealing electrical power from the town don't even know how you do that but he did that so yes in 1933 marcel his wife and their young son because he did get married and apparently procreate at this time would move to paris and he would from there set up his medical practice at 66 rue cow martin and again surprisingly not surprisingly at this point become very successful in his job in fact, it was while he was becoming super success- successful in his town that he was also continuing his double life of committing various crimes throughout the new town that he had just moved into. Mm. He's a fucking scam artist, like straight he, up. He, he really is. But I'm so it's like thankfully, not thankfully, because I didn't really do anything. <laughs> 
he would become institutionalized for his kleptomania problems when he moved into this town. But kind of like I had mentioned, when World War II broke out, people had bigger things to deal with and worry about. So they just kind of like released him. They were like, you don't really have to be institutionalized anymore. We'll kind of let you go. And for those that don't know, aka me at the beginning of this episode, World War II did start in September 1st of 1939. So after 1939, they kind of stopped giving a shit about what Marcelo was doing and kind of just let him roam free. He was allowed to do whatever he wanted at this point. No one was really worried about what he was doing. In March of 1942, you have two people that mysteriously go missing. These two people are Jean-Marc Von Beaver and Marth Kite. Now, Jean-Marc is an addict who... I did not mention this previously, but again... What's his name? Marcel is a really fucking shitty doctor, and that includes him selling and prescribing illicit drugs to you couldn't gather from the child people that don't really fucking need it yeah so Jean-Marc was an addict who got his supply from Marcel now when John was arrested for drug charges like randomly on the street as a way to get out of his sentence he would say hey Marcel was the one who gave me these drugs you know he's the doctor that I get it from yada yada and the police were like oh curious Marcel, what's up? We're going to arrest you. And Marcel's kind of like, well, fuck, I'm literally about to go on trial. But just three days before the court date, Jean-Marc just so happens to go missing and (gasps) no one can find him. Like, was he in jail at the time waiting or no? He was... I guess, like, he was out on bail. I'm assuming bail was still a thing, yeah. But he, yeah, went missing. And the second person that had went missing was actually the mother of another addict that Marcel had prescribed drugs to named Raymond Baudet. Uh, Now, the mother had met with Marcel, and apparently Marcel was trying to tell her, hey... Your son is going to testify against me. I need you to say that your son got these drugs from you. They were your prescription. He stole them from you. That way, his testimony will seem less credible and people won't believe him and I won't go to jail for it. And she had seemingly been like okay with the idea. She was going to go for it and agree. But after talking to someone, I believe it was her pharmacist or some kind of, like, doctor that she knew, and they told her, like, no, don't do that. That's a very bad idea. That's kind of sus. Did she go missing? Because I guess she decided, like, okay, I am going to tell the truth. I won't lie. Marcel got wind of it and supposedly took care of her. Ugh. Because none of this was ever proved. Though I will say later on that, spoiler alert of the bodies, because people do end up obviously dying, of the bodies that were found at one location, these two bodies were found uh, amongst 
be remains. So, though officials did, you know, they weren't as dense as I guess I'm making them out to be. They did suspect that Marcel obviously had something to do with the fact that two major witnesses to him going to jail strangely vanished not that long after his or not long before the court date um there was just like no evidence that the officials had that they could give him a proper arrest or put him in jail for uh though that didn't keep him from still getting in trouble from the illicit drug trade that he was in by being this doctor Uh, I know for sure it was a thing that after the disappearance of both Jean and Marth that uh, Marcel was fined originally $10,000, but then it got bumped down to, or it's not $10,000, it's uh, 10,000 francs, but for whatever reason, he was able to talk himself down from 10,000 all the way down to 2,400 francs, so... Mm. He definitely is still seen as favorable to the public, and this is when he concocts his new plan in order to make money for himself, as well as feed into his deep, dark desires, because the timing just so happened to be perfect. Uh, We are right in the middle of World War II. And France has been recently infiltrated with Nazis. And there are a shit ton of Jews living in France that are trying to escape, said Nazis. So Marcel would offer them a helping hand. Oh my god. For the mere price of 25,000 francs, which was not mere because in one article they said that it was nearly half a million dollars in today's currency so for quite the fucking price he would offer his home as a safe house to anyone needing safety from the law anyone mainly jews who needed help escaping from the wrath of the nazis that have now infiltrated city and the state of France. He would work under the name Dr. Eugene, an alias, and would also hire handlers to help him not only deal with the people, but also help promote his business and help bring customers in. Once the clients paid the fee, it's hard to say exactly what happened afterwards. I would like to think that Everyone got this same treatment, but there's a lot of evidence that I will say later on in the house that uh, probably proves otherwise. But to help me sleep at night, I like to think that this is the main form of what would happen. Uh, So it was once the clients paid the fee that Dr. Petiot would offer as an act of kindness a shot as a means of protecting the Jews or his victims from any type of disease or bacteria that they may face through this long travel of escaping France to wherever Marcel said that he would let them go. 
the only thing was, was that it wasn't medicine that Marcel was injecting into these humans. It was cyanide. So, obviously, after they are injected with the cyanide, they succumb to the poison and die. Again, I don't know if this was done to every victim. It helps me to think that it was. But after this, Marcel would then raid their dead bodies, taking any cash or valuables that they had brought with them along for the trip. And then finding a way to later dispose of their bodies. At first, it was said that Marcel would dump his victims' bodies into the scene, which is a really big river of France. I couldn't get an exact location along this river, but it is such a large river that it probably wouldn't really matter at this point. It was like uh, hundreds, if not thousands of miles long. But as the Gestapo's presence or the German police's presence in France grew, he started to have to worry about running into German police when he was trying to dump the bodies into the river. Mm. So at that point, he could no longer go out and dump the bodies into the river. He had to find a way to safely dispose of them inside of his house. So that's when he decided that he would use vats of quicklime as means to try and disintegrate the bodies. Now, in a kind of really weird fucked up twist of fate it (laughs) it was actually Marcel's threat to the German police of potentially helping these Jewish people out that made him I guess open to German police's radar because they're starting to pick up rumors of, oh, you're helping these Jewish people? Mm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Commit all the embezzlement. Steal all the electricity you want. We don't give a fuck. But you help the Jews now? Hey, honey. Go to jail. So the Gestapo, with the knowledge that this Dr. Eugene is, quote unquote, helping all of these Jews... The Gestapo captured the handlers that uh, Marcello had hired and began to essentially torture them in order to find out Marcello's real name. And so once they find out who it is, who Dr. Eugene is, who is behind all of the potential saving of these Jewish people, the police go and try and arrest him. But by the time that it took to get Marcello's real name, Marcello caught wind of what was going on. And he packed up his things, he packed up his wife, he packed up his young child, and he moved to another part of Paris, undetected by the Gestapo. So, from here, Marcelo moves... <laughs> Here's where I start saying his name wrong. Marcel moves to 21 Rue Lesseur. And you would think he would calm shit down, but no, he picks it right back up and he just continues his method of killing and committing violent acts against anyone and everyone that's around him, pretty much. So this would continue until March of 1944 when neighbors would start to notice a foul-smelling smoke that was emitting from Marcel's house. They would wait for five days. So five days of the smoke emitting this foul stench before the neighbors decided enough is enough. 
screw the friendly normality or the whatever. Like, I'm done being Mr. Nice Guy. I'm going to go up to Marcel's house and ask him to stop burning whatever he's burning. But once the neighbors arrive to the front door, they're not greeted by Marcel, but by a note that states that he would actually be away for a month and that if anyone needed to contact him to simply forward his mail to 18 Rue de Lombards in Auxerre, which I believe is where he was born. Okay. Thankfully, the neighbors are like, no, fuck you. <laughs> I'm not waiting a month of me smelling these fumes. For all I know, your house could be on fire and that's right. what's causing it. Or like these... The smoke could be something dangerous burning, and I'm, like, gonna fucking die. Like, I don't care. Especially if you're not home. Like, it's even more concerning. Red flag. Red flag number one, you're not home, and there's smoke emitting from your house. Continuously, like, okay. For five days, I'm calling someone. So, the neighbors decide to call the police. And when the police arrive, the neighbors actually tell them that Marcel has a resident that's a residence that's just about two miles away from this house. And while they're telling him this, they also say that they have noticed some really fucking strange behavior going on in this quote unquote empty house over the past six months. The events that they described were that of a horse cart arriving at night, as well as two trucks coming in and removing what was described as 47 suitcases in the first load, and 30 to 40 heavy sacks in the second. Oh my god. After hearing this information, and it... I don't know if they went to the house that was two miles away or not, but after gathering this, they decided to call Marcel and ask him, hey, you know, what the fuck is up? There's some smoke emulating from your house. Just thought you should know that you might be worried about that. And the first thing Marcel asks is, have y'all gone into the house yet? And the cops are like, no not yet we just wanted to call to let you know what's going on and marcel is like cool 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 don't go into the house i'll be in there in 15 minutes but whatever you do don't go into the house please red flag and so the cops are like okay (laughs) until they wait they they actually wait they wait the 15 minutes they wait a little bit longer than that it said half an hour to an hour in most articles they wait for marcel and he does not come. By that time, the firefighters are there. They're seeing this smoke going on. They're like, okay, well, you know, we're we're kind of done waiting. Something needs to happen. This is becoming a hazard at this point because we see the smoke thickening. Yeah. Your house is maybe on fire. So you have firefighters that come in from the second story window. And I guess it was with the knowledge or with the thought that the fire may have already reached the second floor so maybe that's why you want to start at the top I don't really know but for whatever reason they start at the top level and from there they kind of clear each level up until they get down to the basement now as soon as the firemen entered the basement one would soon run out in order to vomit after this the fire chief would then walk out 
and look at the police officers that were standing by the door and simply tell them you have some work cut out for you. Oh, my. Here's where I give a trigger warning because I finally remembered to do one. Mm. If you don't want to hear about dismembered body parts, please maybe stop listening to this episode. <laughs> or at least uh, five five minutes, I'd say. Skip ahead. I, I don't know. So the three officers that were standing by the door would then rush down after hearing this and witness like one of the seven gates of hell i don't know so what they would find was a coal-fed stove that was burning full blast in the corner of the room with a human arm dangling from the open door next to this stove lay a heap of coal mixed with human bones and fragments of what would be described of several dismembered bodies Mm. The not-so-fun fact of this case, because nothing is fun about it, uh, there was, out of all of the bodies that were found in this basement area, not one of them was whole. It was impossible to say, out of the carnage, how many bodies there actually were. Yeah, well, I'm guessing he had to chop them up to, like, fit them into the furnace or the fireplace or whatever yeah though i guess uh what they did put together of the body parts that they did find they would say maybe around 10 bodies Mm. it would be said that there were 33 pounds of charred bones found on the scene along with 22 pounds of unburned fragments and 11 pounds of human hair with which 10 whole scalps were a part of. They also found three garbage cans filled with pieces that were too small for them to identify. Faces? Pieces. Oh, pieces. Pieces. (laughs) Sorry. Still terrifying. Still. Uh, The oldest victim would be described to be around the age of 50, while the youngest was said to be around 25. And like um, I had said before, the remains of Jean and Marth were among these remains. So this is when you find out that officially they have died, and it was Marcel who killed them. Uh, So while the discovery was being made of the carnage it's literally can't be described as anything else uh marcel would show up onto the scene riding his bike (laughs) hey guys and when he pulls up he goes oh this is serious my head could be at stake he's pretty right He would then spin this tale to officials on the scene that these bodies, it's not what it looks like, guys. These are bodies of the resistance. These are the pesky Germans that we have been fighting. These are the traitors of the France soil, the French soil. 
They have disrespected the name, and I was merely doing a service by killing all of these traitors for y'all. It was my patriotic duty. And the cop said, okay, (laughs) checks out. It's fine. It's fine. You're fine. I almost spat out my beer. Yeah, they let him go. He was able to walk away. They found a human fucking arm hanging out of a little stove, some human charred remains off in the corner, and they said, yeah, buddy, checks out to me, A-okay, you can walk on home, go on your little bike, and left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Yes, I'm I, I, the, uh, I too had that same reaction. Do you have that same reaction? So it it was very much um, the traumas of the war. It seemed <laughs> that was to blame. I literally like I I don't. It's not even one of the most shockingest things that happens. Um, unfortunately, it's just kind of like it. It was a different breed back then, you know. Uh, we experienced generational trauma because this is how our grandparents were raised in this in this kind of environment you know so it uh, it all makes sense now mm-hmm. anywho after they let him go they found the uh, continued horror that was in his house because i don't know how they didn't search the whole house afterwards cuz i thought they cleared it 4 by 4 but they didn't because um after they let him go they continued to find even more carnage in Marcel's garage. So there would be more vats filled with quicklime and human remains with uh, one vat being said to be filled with what was said to be recognizable scalp and that of a jawbone. There was also a pit that was found in a stable on the land that was said to be filled with quicklime and obvious corpses that were said to be going through various stages of decomposition. And somehow it was not found the first time, don't know how, but in a staircase that was leading from the courtyard into the basement... Trigger warning, please skip over 30 seconds if you do not want to hear something fucked up. The police would find a canvas sack that contained just the left side of a headless corpse. Just the left side, again, of a corpse that was missing its head. And on top of it missing its right side... And its head, the corpse was also missing its foot and all of its vital organs. Okay. I needed a I, second I really, to digest that. Yeah, so, I did. Uh, like, I wonder what one would do with half of a. And, like, why is that necessary? You're... It's not, like... You mean, like, straight down the middle, right? Like... From what it was described. It was... It's not even... How does that benefit anything? What would you do with any of that? Why is that that a thing? 
at that point, it's not even overkill. It's more of like, uh, I don't even know what to say to that. It's like you, you just want to see what the inside of a body looks like. It's like you just want to fucking play. Yeah. You're, you're playing with Play-Doh. At this time, some, some commissionaire is, uh, put on scene. Obviously, because, like, no one has probably ever seen this aside from, like, a war scene. Like, what the actual fuck is going on? Right. So, they have this 33-year veteran that they put on the crime scene. And as soon as he arrives to what is often called the death house in the articles, he sees what is so properly named as a house that is literally built for death. It's like, so inside this house, Commissioner George S. Victor Masu would find a sink that would be described to be large enough to fit a human body. That way they would be able to properly drain the body of blood without, you know, making a mess. A fucking course. It was also said, and this is the fact that, unfortunately, I think uh, Marcel did not use cyanide or that method of cyanide injecting into every victim. There was an octangular, octagonal, what's that word? Octagon is eight sides. Yeah. There was... A octagonal chamber that was found in the house that was soundproofed and also had shackles that were mounted to the wall uh, along with a peephole that was found in the door, the only door that was going in and out of that chamber. Commissioner Georges Victor Massou was at this quote-unquote death house that he had actually sent a message out to the police of Paris at 1.30 in the morning. So, dude left no time. As soon as he saw what was described as in this house, he sent out a telegram and said, Order from German authorities. Arrest Pediot. Dangerous lunatic. Ooh. So, after the Paris police got this message from the commissioner, of course, they were on their way to go arrest him since they had his known location. But since this telegraph had the words, order from German authorities, a lot of the French police were hesitant to go and arrest Maurice because when they saw the words German authorities, they thought, oh, well, this means that more, or am I saying is Marcel, Marcel, not (laughs) Maurice. (laughs) This meant that Marcel was actually a part of the French resistance and that he had been killing the German traitors all the time. I mean, why would the German authorities want this guy dead unless he was, you know, killing German soldiers and they would want it as some kind of act of revenge? So when a lot of people or when the French police first heard of this order being 
<laughs> order to go and kill Marcel, they were like, no, 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 like he may kind of be like on our side. We don't really want to capture him. So they would kind of, you know, drag their feet and I guess take some time, enough time for Marcel to figure out what was going on because as soon as they would arrive to Marcel's house, just like the last time, he was gone. Simply vanished into thin air and no one could find him. Um, he also has impeccable timing because the invasion of Mor- Normandy just so happened to be in June of 1944. So, like I said, if you want to commit a crime, please commit a crime when there is a lot of, like, war and distress going on in the world. Because people tend to not care about what you're doing because they just kind of, like, did not care about searching for him. They had again, bigger things on their mind. So it really takes until, again, like, Marcel has this fucking weird habit of, like, he cannot, he has to be well-known. He has to be well-loved. It's that same thing that got him fucking voted in as mayor, voted in as the city chancellor counselor whatever I said and now that he has successfully been able to hide from people for months he's like oh no 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 no. this isn't enough for me I need to be a part of the French resistance even though I was like fucking killing Jews not that long ago and not only did he join the French resistance but he actually became surprisingly not surprisingly fucking great at it so great in fact that um one of the French newspapers in the area decided to, like, write this expose on him of being like, oh, my God, he is such a good fighter. He's doing so much for us. Like, go Marcel. Except in the newspaper, he wasn't going under the name Marcel because, of course, he's hiding under some fake alias. And he had grown out his hair and beard at this point and was trying to be a completely different person. But this didn't stop people from looking at that paper and going, I know him. Yeah. And telling authorities, oh, hey, he's actually in Paris and he's actually, like, right down the street. So when he was at a train station in February of 1944, someone would actually recognize Marcel, alert police, and this would finally lead to his arrest. So Marcel... Petiot would stand trial in March 14th of 1946 with 135 criminal charges being pressed against him. Amongst those, of course, including murder. Mm. So Marcel would again maintain his innocence that it was all the Germans that I killed. None of these were, you know, innocent people. They were all enemies of France, and I was simply carrying out the duty of the resistance, doing my job, and he would even go off and, like, name, I guess, certain resistance groups that he had been a part of, and thank God he did this because this would ultimately be the reason why he would be found guilty of the crimes that he was found guilty of, because upon naming these groups, the trial attendees would know because they're French these were not real resistance groups that were 
happening around this time. Like you're literally pulling these names out of your ass and you're like disgracing the resistance by even attempting to say that these were groups because we were fucking here. Like this wasn't a decade ago. This was literally yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So during the investigation, they were able to prove that Marcel had stolen from the victims that he had uh, killed and in total, it was said that he had made off with more than 200,000 francs, which is said to be around $2 million in today's currency. During the trial, Marcel would be tried for the murder of 27 victims and would only be found guilty for the murder of 26, though it was said that during the trial, he would brag about killing upwards of 60 victims though they were all german for him of course he claimed this, they were german but claimed they that were they were like german not but they were really jews mo- for, for the most part they were jewish people yeah. trying to escape france okay. and the nazi re- regime just so. yeah just double checking because yeah yeah <laughs> nothing against germans germany we love you we we definitely see you just... listening but during the time, yeah, he would try to say, like, you know, they're all, they're all Germans, okay? They're all enemies. Marcel Petiot would be dubbed Dr. Satan by the French media after this event and ultimately would be sentenced to death. And on May 25th of 1946, he would see out that death sentence, being beheaded by guillotine at the age of 49. Huh. Fun fact, not so fun fact, my grandma was actually alive during that time, so. Dude, my grandma was born in, like, 22, 23. Yeah, so it's just uh, very crazy to me that someone was guillotined um, in the 1940s, but just goes to show that not only did fucking Jewish people have to go through a holocaust because newsflash for unfortunately some of the people out there the holocaust did actually happen it, it's it's so a real I thing that happened hate to Please break it to you hun you. a real event that Jeez, actually happened should should be greatly concerned for society that there are actually some that don't think it did but and the not only earth is circular thank you Thank you again for pointing that out. Yes. Um, But yeah, not only did we have to worry about, you know, Hitler and the Nazis, um, you know, potentially killing you, but you had to worry about this French motherfucker, Marcel Petiot, as well. I'm just like, um, nowhere in the history books did they mention this because I would have been, I would have really liked to have known Fuck the history books. I would have paid much more attention in history if this dude was mentioned. Because all I paid to in in history was my teacher's um, sunglass tan because he was the (laughs) baseball coach. If they and he had a horrible sunglass tan, is all I stared at. If they would have told me that, uh, you know, you could 
vote for a serial killer mayor, then I definitely would have paid more attention and maybe started voting for the mayors of my actual town. Thank you, whoever, what the fuck, Greg Abbott, become our mayor. He's not fuck even mayor, Greg he's governor. <laughs> but anywho. Whoever the fuck he is, fuck him. Whoever the fuck our mayor is, not important enough to know. But yeah, that is the really, really, really fucked up case of the French serial killer, Marcel Petiot, who killed upwards of 60 people. He says all Germany, all Germans, not all Germans, but really fucked up either way, German or not. Yeah. uh, Okay. Sickening, first of all, and we know anything he says is a lie. Lie. Maybe besides the amount of people he actually confessed to, but sometimes, you know, that number is even a lie. Like, they only found a number of remains, and he says he could have killed up to 60, but it could have been fucking more. Yeah. Like... And that's what's I so know. scary about it. <laughs> and once they have the chance to, like, speak their voice, sometimes they like to be honest and brag about how many people they kill. So it could have been very well around 60. But regardless, German, French, Jew, like, and even if they were Jew, it probably means they were French or German anyways. Yeah. They were just Jewish. They just happened to be Jewish it- living in that <laughs> vicinity fuck you dude <laughs> what does it fucking He's matter trying to hide under the guise of like being on the side of you know the rebellion or whatever the it's right like, side it, it literally does not make what you're doing okay no at all by so. any means it, it's just like um obviously when you hear the amount of people that this guy has you know killed it's shocking but when i started to read his you know, adult life after particularly he had killed people, I was very shocked. I was, uh, you know, very surprised at how long it took this guy to get caught and the fact that he was allowed to, you know, become mayor and then like chair counselor. He was so many things. He was a doctor. He was a mayor. He was popular. A husband, a father. Like how can this guy graduate medical school and become popular? And I am 27 (laughs) and barely have two friends. I'm just real curious as to how God lets that guy become socially popular, but I am fucking struggling. Rate us five stars and tell a friend about us. Maybe. (laughs) At R-A-R-W podcast. <laughs> I didn't know if for that was the, my cue or not. Yeah, it is. Because for the love of God, send us a fucking email before I turn out like this guy. Please, an email besides uh, from Google or... Spam. Spam. Norton wanting to <laughs> refund us $600. <laughs> for the subscription we never had. <laughs> Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, guys, sorry the intro and outro is a little short, but I'm just, like, so shooketh. I, like, the words were taken right out of me. Well, it's obviously hard for some of us, not me, to believe that the Holocaust actually happened. <laughs> Whoa. The, f- to look the fact on that the, this happened in between side, it. <laughs> actually, like, knowing it happened, the tragedy behind just the Holocaust alone you can imagine the tragedy that happened alongside of it. Yeah. The other kind of crimes and 
deaths that happened that were so unnecessary uh, the people getting taken advantage of solely because yes, the situation because was going on right oh i have chills yeah, yeah. it's it's like i th- you know the whole situation is just fucked in general and then you hear about this and you're like oh it goes deeper it's in ways fucked, that i right? literally could not even imagine because honestly at this point like I don't know. The gas chambers seem a lot nicer than what Marcel was doing to these people. I'm just like, holy shiitake mushrooms. There's no, it's, there's no good end. The generational trauma is so severe in this case. I, I feel it. I would die for some shiitake mushrooms right now. <gasps> well. Sorry. On that note, <laughs> get yourself some shiitake mushrooms and... Please do everything that you can to forget about this case, but not the Holocaust, because it did happen, and you can't deny it. It was real, people. Yep. Cheers to the fucking that. Cheers to not the Holocaust happening, but to remembering that it happened. Exactly. Until next time, guys. Until next time, hopefully it'll be better, but maybe not. Hopefully we maybe give you something lighthearted, but... Um, <laughs> I haven't decided yet. <laughs> but uh, we haven't decided how much we want to fuck you up, how much trauma we want to give you, so... Have fun with that. <laughs>